Have you met a gentleman called Geoffrey Fink? I don't think I have, to be honest with you. Robbo has. Geoffrey Fink, who is my Auntie Jane's dad, started going to United in the Busby days. And because of his advanced age, and because the team aren't doing so well, he's not going to Old Trafford anymore. And that, of course, means that someone probably from India or uh, North America can get his seat. There is a problem at Manchester United, and there, there was going to be a problem at Watford, but they've just kind of kiboshed it. The fan base at Manchester United are the fans in the stadium and in Mancunia, in Salford. And then there's the fans watching in Africa and Asia and Tehran. So there's there's two sets of people to satisfy, and I don't think you can satisfy them both. Manchester United have been, uh, as you say, worldwide news when you think about it, Johnny. And I'm going right back to 1958 now, mm. when the Munich Air disaster. That sort of disaster, for me, obviously, known all over the world, brought a lot of attention to Manchester United. And, um, and then, obviously, the great players after that uh, came through. And from then, it's been worldwide support. Ever since I joined the football club in 1969, it was worldwide support. We have travelled in my time uh, in, in the 70s and 80s all over the world doing tours when the season's finished, tours before the pre-season, and you would not believe the fan base everywhere we go. Match days neither coming from America, what you said, China, New Zealand, Scandinavia, North and South of Ireland, everywhere. And that's always been the case, Johnny, and... Uh, That'll never stop, by the way, because of the history of Manchester United. Their fan base is all over the world. Hey, I was one of those people. We went, it was my 12th birthday, we went up to, I think, United Spurs in 2000. I think Solskjaer scored from memory. And it was, it was like watching football in a palace. Obviously, there needs to be a bit of um, restructuring and there's lots of talk about a new stadium being built or a redesign. But United are, historically, the best team in English football, when United are at their best and flamboyant and attacking could be applied to an Alec Ferguson team as well as a Tommy Dock team, it's brilliant sport and art in a way. But one thing that you wrote in your book, The Last Busby Babe, which is out 1999 on the excellent Pitch Publishing, who also published my book uh, that we're not here to talk about, but we will talk about it in a sec. Under Dave Sexton, United stood still while others were improving. Do you think that City and Liverpool are now so far ahead that no matter who comes in next season as manager or in the playing personnel, I think it's a few years. Well, they're a few years behind. Well, to be honest with you, I've got to be hand on heart and say we are behind Manchester City and Liverpool. There's no doubt about that. I'd be telling lies if I said we're not that far away. There is a gap there. There's no doubt about that. There's a gap there. And for the loyal Manchester United supporter, this is very hard to take. When you think about the 70 or 1,000 people who go every home game and the thousands who travel away, it, it, it's very hard to take. But Manchester City and Liverpool uh, have handled their, their money. They've got the managers in, Guardiola and Klopp, who uh, have done th fantastically well the time they've been there. They've had little mishaps, of course, but they've bounced back. Liverpool have had a little mishap you know, last season, whatever, and, uh, and but they're bouncing back. Uh, they won the European Champions League not long ago. Manchester City are thriving to win the, the, the Champions League under Pep. But you look at the record that they have had over the last number of years, the trophies they've won. This is what United uh, have got to aim for. 
and sooner rather than later. But it's not going to be that easy. And it remains the great soap opera of world football. Never mind Barcelona with their million pounds in debt. And my grandpa used to watch MUTV constantly, so I'm sure he will have seen your face. Um, I'm sure I'd certainly remember seeing Lou Macari, Gordon McQueen. There's a whole band of kind of Tommy Dock and Ron Atkinson, former players, many of whom have written books with Wayne Barton, who co-wrote your book, The Last Busby Babe. But we're now in the kind of industry where if you get clicks, you get talked about regardless of what you do. Um, so my final United question, will you be going to the Youth Cup final at Old Trafford on April 30th? Probably will be, obviously, if with, with commitments. Uh, no commitments, I probably will go and, uh, and, and have a look at the final. Yeah, definitely. I love, with a tradition United have had, Johnny, over the years, as you well know, the Busby Babes, even in my time uh, at the club, I, I, played for the, I played a first-team game at Southampton. We beat Southampton, 5-2, Bestie got a hat-trick, myself and Brad Kent scored goals. I travelled from Southampton back to play in a youth cup against Everton at Old Trafford, while the rest of the team went on a five-day break to Jersey. So the youth cup has always been taken seriously, and uh, it's great for them to be in the final again because it's been Manchester United tradition to try to win that youth cup every time they answer it. But there is someone in the way. Who manages Nottingham Forest's under-18s? What are you going to tell me? Warren Joyce. Warren Joyce was uh, a personal friend of mine and also worked with me at Stockport County. Uh, and he used to work at Manchester United as well, Johnny. Uh, he he was the, the reserve player. coach bringing through the Youth Cup winning side of 2011. The story is That's there. Right. Forest have never been in a final. They've never won it. United are going for number 11. Um, having yeah. won the first five in the 1950s and won it in 92, yeah. lost the final in 93. I think Warren can spring a surprise. I think they're a really well-organised well, team. It's going to be difficult and, and, and Warren will have them organised, he'll have them set up well, uh, as I know, because uh, as I say, I, I, I played with him at the end of my career at Preston and, um, and also he worked for me at Stockport County. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a, he's a decent lad, decent lad. And we will, and yes, good luck to United's youth team. Garnacho looks like someone who's going to get in the first team, perhaps at the end of the season, in some dead rubbers. Elanga's already in the team. Uh, yeah. It's always great. And you've got Nick Cox as head of the academy. Have you met Nick yet? No, I haven't, actually. I haven't. But uh, as I say, it should, be, it should be an entertaining final, no doubt about that. Yeah, and the book From Kids to Champions, which I'm not here to talk about, is out on May the 2nd. So, um, We've got about 15 minutes and we have to cram in the rest of your life because um, you start one of the chapters saying you had to be a manager. You couldn't open a sports shop or a pub. And it was because you wanted that fix. It wasn't as as, um, blunt as that, but you wanted to stay in the game doing what you were doing. So you took on this job at Northwich and you tell this horrible story about John Stringer, um, which I... Can you remind us of the John Stringer story? Well, John Stringer was um, was and is a decent lad, a very very decent lad. He, he's a decent footballer at that level, no doubt about that. He was a little bit of a character, John. He liked the drink, um, he, and he didn't hate it. He liked the drink. There was times in the Saturdays where you could tell maybe John maybe had a couple of drinks the night before certain games, and he would get himself into trouble. It is. 
his record at the time wasn't very good. He got sent off on a number of occasions. And um, he was not just letting the team down, he was letting himself down, John. And I had to come to a situation where I had to say to John, listen, John, this can go no further. It was my first manager's job as well. And um, it was part-time. It was very difficult. And I had to say to John, John, I'm going to have to, have to let you go because your disciplinary record at the time was, was, was shocking. So I went to the chairman to tell him about John, what had done. John accepted it. Uh, and then the chairman turned around and told me, I couldn't do that. I couldn't, I couldn't sack John because he had spent £7,000 of his own money to Telford Football Club to bring John to Northwich, which I didn't know. And I said, well, I'm sorry, Chairman, but, uh, you know, we're every Saturday that I'm playing, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to be down to 10 men. And I got on, believe it or not, I got on quite well with John Springer. He, he, he was a decent bloke, but I couldn't trust him on the football field. And uh, the Chairman said, no, I'm sorry, you can't do that. So me and him had a bit of a, a sad to fall out, and uh, I finished up walking out of the football club yep. uh, because of that decision. And then you go to Ashton and there's this paragraph, which is my favourite in the book. The, the semi-professional was... level is just, it's a completely different sport, never mind level. Oh, listen, you don't know when you have your players. We were training twice a week at the time. I stepped in at Ashton just for three months because uh, uh, I, was out, I, I walked out of Northwich and, and, and Ashton, something happened to the manager at Ashton. I don't know what it was, but they had a fallout and, there were, and I went there for three months and Right to the last game of the season, we had a chance of getting promotion. So we went to Harrogate. If we win at Harrogate and Nosley fail, we go up and uh, Nosley miss out. So, but we drew at Harrogate. But that was such an experience that I've, I've never come across in my life before. And, and even my, my spell at Northwich, that didn't happen. That Ashton had everyone on that bus. The players were at the back of the bus. The directors and supporters were at the beginning the top of the bus, I was somewhere in the middle and there was some family feeding their baby on the way to Harrogate as we were trying to get promotion to the next tier. Unfortunately, we drew. We didn't We didn't get promoted. And that was me finished at Iceland when I went on to Macclesfield Town. Which led, Sammy McElroy, to your then most joyous occasion. So much of what we were doing relied upon the community aspects, the feeling that we were part of the town. The entire town was behind us. We'd have a loyal group of fans coming into the ground in adverse weather and pitching in to make sure games went ahead so we could get ticket sales that go towards paying wages. Has Robbie Savage spoken to you? Robbie hasn't got a clue what went on in those days because Robbie obviously was doing his own thing, Johnny, and... uh, he wouldn't have a clue uh, what was going on in them days. I remember certain games I had to brush the snow off the park myself uh, to get to get the game being played when really it shouldn't have been played, but we had to play it because players had to be paid wages and then um, no football. It could have been a no wages scenario, but we all we all jumped in together and um, and in the end we got it right. We. I had seven fantastic years at Macclesfield. And, uh, you know, we went to strength to strength. But if everyone had hands on pump, young Prescott, who worked with me on, a new, on numerous occasions, uh, Mark Lillis, Peter Davenport, ex-footballers themselves, we all chipped in and, as I said, took the club forward. Forwards into the Football League, you say how you were 
creating league players, challenging them almost. So I'm going to do something I do with various fans when I ask them to name a cup final 11 or their best 11. So they're all in the book between page 268 and 269. I'd just like you to name the 11 who started the game which saw Macclesfield promoted to the third tier for the first time. I mean, Grace, Grace the goalkeeper, I actually got from Birmingham under Barry Fry. He used to be at Stafford. Got him from Barry Fry. Grace. Would it be Darren Tinson? Yep. Two. Sodji? Yep. Ian? Yep. What I was going to say, it'd be, would Neil Howarth be left side then, left back, or would it be Seth Eady? It was Ingram from Man City. Ingram. Ray Ingram. Yeah. Ray Ingram from Man City. Yeah. This is the this is a team that 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 was the final. The team that went up the the, the, the last game that we played against Chester at uh, at, at the Moss. Yes, they went up to the went up to the second division. Yes, uh, John John Arsky would have been right yep. on side. I think with Sorbel. Yep, a lad called would have been McDonald. Yep, and Wood. McDonald and Wood, and then up front. Yeah, up front would be Phil Power, the big centre forward. Oh God, and. I got from Stockport. Danny Whittaker, something must have happened then, because little Danny Whittaker was a, was a winger, by the way. Ah, oh, OK. So I would have played John Askey up front, and Whittaker would have went right on the right. And that's how we played a 4-4-2 with Whitty left side, Whittaker right side, and them two up front. That's right. I actually got the little boy, Phil Power, who's a Man United fanatic from Stilly Bridge Celtic, and did great for me. Scored a number of goals for me and stayed with me for a number of years. Fab. And how magnificent was it to see your kids turning up at the promotion match at the end of the game? Oh, yeah, fantastic. You know, they, they were there and we got promoted. Absolutely brilliant. Really, really good. And uh, they, they they always wanted me to do well, you know. And they, they actually, as I say in the book, they actually robbed the, uh, the big whiskey bottle that I used to stick my coins in. They actually robbed that to get petrol to come to the game. Brilliant. And I think... Is the your eldest is about fifty now? Forty nine, that's right. Very nice. Well, I hope you enjoy any celebrations this year. And have you got grandkids? Six. Wonderful. I'm not going to ask who your favourite is, but do they know? Do the grandkids know what you did for a living? Well, yeah, there, there, there's a couple at um, fourteen and thirteen who are trying to get into football. They they obviously know. They've got pictures of me up in the wall of when I played years many years ago. I don't drill it into them, Johnny. I don't want to, to say to them, you've got to be a footballer. I'll leave that there to my son. He, he takes uh, Alfie, who's um, in an academy at the moment, and um, hopefully he might break through. And I wish them luck. It's a, a, like Gareth Southgate says, it's a wonderful game, but the industry can be very tiresome. Um, Absolutely. And I'm sure you've got off-the-record stories which couldn't make the book. Well, even the ones that do make the book... The Charlie Hodgson story at Stockport. I mean, how do you do? How do you cope with that when you're sharing a ground with a rugby uh, squad? Very difficult. Very difficult. That really upset me that day when I'm actually doing shadow play with a team that's going to play the next day in a very important game. You know, when I took over at Stockport, they're fighting relegation. I'm doing my me, me shadow play exactly with the team I'm going to play on the Saturday. And Charlie Hodgson's on the sidelines with the PR man of Stockport with a rugby ball wanting me to stop my session so that he can come on and practice his kicking, which I found absolutely, well, it was unbearable. 
and it made my lads being so tiny and, and, and small. Well, you can imagine how I felt. Are Stockport not about to go back up into the Football League? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Yeah. Uh, they're in a fantastic position at the minute. A new man's come in and spent a lot of money on the development there and they're a couple of games away from getting promoted. Yeah, we're speaking on the 5th of April, so by the time this goes out after Easter, uh, this Stockport may well be up. And of course, they've Stockport is home to one of the best English footballers, young Phil Foden. I remember getting in a cab because I go to Stockport for this music festival and I go, ah, oh, Phil Foden's from Stockport. And he goes, yep, he's, he's the pride of, pride of Stockport and the football team are in like the National South at the time. Um, yeah. But Stockport have finally uh, got back to... And it'll be lovely to see them back because when I was young in the 1990s, Stockport were, I think, a third-tier side, even a championship side. They were a brilliant side. No, Stockport, Stockport have got a good history over the years. Dave Jones used to be the manager yeah. going back years ago. And uh, they have, they've got great history. And uh, if you do well at Stockport, you get a good crowd base, no doubt about that. And, and Foden, Foden is a, one of the best prospects I've seen come through for many a year. That's what happens when you train with the best players. And that's what I wanted to ask about just before we finish. I was going to ask two questions about the Northern Ireland job. What was worse, seeing Macclesfield not score for the first five games in the third tier or Northern Ireland not scoring for months? Well, Northern Ireland, in, in, that, in that group stage that we had, when I hadn't got the same squad for all the ten games that we played, I knew, I knew, if you look back over the records, going back to the great George Best, the Derek Dugans, Northern Ireland never had what you call a prolific goal scorer until I actually brought David Healy, David in, Healy. believe it or not, yeah. into the squad. Uh, he is now the record holder of Northern Ireland goals and that will never be broken as far as I'm concerned. But at the time, things weren't happening uh, in front of the goal. But if you look at the defensive side of things, and I know you need to score to win games, we were the third best defensive team in all the groups. So I just couldn't get it right up front because Healy was my main goal scorer. And if he didn't score, we were struggling. So that, that, was, that, that was very, very hard to take. And that was one of the sort of the main situations why at the time I decided to, to walk away to give someone else a chance. Mm-hmm. But I regret, I regret that, as I say in the book, because it was up on a two-year contract which I should have signed and worked on these young players that I brought in who weren't ready when I brought in uh, and, 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 and sort of stood out. But my pride was taken apart to it, as I say in the book, and I couldn't handle it. Yeah, it is a, an amazing chapter because the former captain of Northern Ireland was given the chance to manage. And at one stage, you were calling up players from no disrespect to Rochdale. Rochdale, because 13 players yeah. withdrew. And these players were not regulars... Players. They weren't regulars and they weren't playing no. for the big, big teams. Uh, but they were top well, pros. Uh, Keith Gillespie was one of them. Well, Keith Gillespie did a fantastic job for me. Uh, uh, to be honest with you, the, the, the Gillespie, Lomas, the Magildan, Tiger, uh, Aaron Hughes, just to name a few, uh, you know, they were, they were they, every player I played, every player I picked, to be fair, give their all for me. But, as you just touched on a couple of players there, um, I had to bring in two players from Rochdale to be in the squad against a Spanish national team with world superstars was the time I began to realise that things aren't happening here for me. 
it doesn't happen now, as you know, because managers have got no say now in the national day. They have to let the players go. But in them days, they could withdraw them. They could say they're injured. And I had to take their word for it. But uh, uh, those two players, that uh, they actually, I actually threw them on against Spain, believe it or not. Wow. Because of 13 withdrawals, which, was, well, it was an embarrassment, a total embarrassment. Well, you gave them some anecdotes. You gave them something on the CV and you gave Morecambe something to shout about. Two consecutive 11th place finishes and uh, a win at Wembley against a smarmy Exeter. You gave Paul Tisdale what for with his cap and his blazer. I would love to read an article about that because you you touch on it in the book. But Tisdale, um, very dapper, and Sammy McElroy is, is Sammy McElroy. And yet... A really good goal from uh, Danny Carlton um, got you the win. Oh, the, the, goal, the goal that won it, the type of goal we scored it to win the final, would win any any major final. Yeah. It, was, it was it was class. But as I say in the book that day, you know the the build up, the drive to Wembley, we broke down. Our bus broke down uh, on the way to Wembley, and then their bus their bus overtook us. Class bus, all blacked out. Uh, I've got my players on the Wembley turf with suits I got from Slater's, 25 quid or something, I got a suit for all the players. And Exeter come out with their Ted Baker gear on with their dark sunglasses. Uh, and, you, and the little manager comes out with, in his waistcoat and his cavette. And uh, he did my team talk for me that day, actually, because they were strutting. They were strutting on the field. They were strutting, except to say that loads of fans there. We had something like 10,000 people more come. Morecambe could have been robbed that day and the police hadn't got a chance because there was no one there. Mm. Uh, they were all at Wembley. And Exeter had something like 20,000 fans, I think, there or something like that. They strutted on the pitch and uh, I said to my lads, listen, they're here for a day out. Let's spoil it. Simple as that, and we did. And this from a man who in 1977 won the FA Cup at Wembley? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, mm. that was against Liverpool, said one of the best in the, in the land at the time. Going for the treble. They'd won the league, the us in the, the game in between on the cup final day and European Champions Cup final on the Wednesday after. They were Red Hat's favourites, as we were the Wembley before when we lost to Southampton. And we, we, we beat them 2-1 with a little bit of luck, to be fair, which you need. Uh, Lou McCurry's shot, hits Jimmy on the chest and goes in the net. Thank you, FA Cup to Manchester. Indeed, against the consistent and miserly Liverpool. I like how you say it, and I, I know you're, you're not biased, but they're dull. United were exciting and flamboyant and had the dock. But then, and I'll, I'll try and finish on this, but in a kind of fun way for what I'm going to do. Ron Atkinson was just off his sunbed and in his United dressing gown when he asked you what you were worth. And what I, I think this, the chapter of you leaving United and going to Stoke rather than Everton, which was a mistake on your part, is great writing because it's it's almost an offence to your identity that you're told to get out of our club. You're physically sick, you're angry, your pride had taken a battering, you're a commodity, you froze when you walk into the Stoke dressing room because you realise probably that it's not your workplace that you were used to. Do you still think about that moment of leaving Man United? Or, because you've now, you do tours of the ground and various bits of punditry... You're back in the fold. No, I, no, no. As a footballer, at the time, as a footballer, that broke my heart. Even Manchester United, I 
I've been here 13 years. I didn't cost the club a shilling. You know, and, and the way he, he went round it and said that, well, Stoke have offered a record bid of £375,000. No manager says that to you if he wants you to stay at the football club. Ron was trying, trying to be a little bit cute by just saying what had happened. But once a manager says that to you, you know that your rating and your day is, is nearly up. Uh, and the thing that you say about Everton was that I got the phone call the day after from Howard Kendall the day after the sign for Stoke, that uh, why didn't I speak to Howard Kendall? I, and, I, and I said to this day that I did not know that Howard Kendall came in and wanted me to sign for Everton. I did not know that. That's why I was upset. And of course there's a big path. Phil Neville, Donny van der Beek, loads of United players go off to Everton. Well, and David Moyes no, went the no other way. No disrespect, Johnny, to Stoke City at the time. Stoke City were a fantastic club to me. Some great players, if you look back at the history of Stoke City, Jimmy Greenock, Peter Shilton, Alan Hudson, you know, Dave Watson, the old city centre half, uh, Derek Park and Wolves, uh, just to name a few, George Eastham, going back further. Yeah. Stoke City have had some fantastic footballers on, on their books over the time. And I can understand why when I went, the, the way they look after people, the way they look after their footballers. And they looked after me unbelievably. But if Everton come in under hard Kendall, who was rebuilding that side, and what a great side they were, by the way, in the 80s. I would have won the Everton. It's just football sense. And that's no disrespect to Stoke. But I would have been like to be told that Everton had come in. And uh, unfortunately, I wasn't. Again, love the game, hate the industry. There's one moment when a club manager forgets to pass on an international call-up to his player. And I almost threw the book across the room. Because you are caught in a just a tundra of nonsense and you are the last Busby babe. You will always be the last Busby babe. And hopefully, at some point in the next few years, United will uh, have this flamboyant excellence. I'm sure you'll be asked many times, Pochettino or Ten Hag? Do you know something, Johnny? None of them excite me at the minute, to be honest with you. And that's no disrespect, obviously, good managers. Pochettino, if you had said to me 18 months ago, Ten Hag did a great job at Ajax, but the league, I don't think you're really tested. In, in the Dutch league. So our next decision, who the next manager is going to be, is going to be one of the most important managerial decisions yeah. in a long, long time. Well, I know the answer, because Wayne Rooney is not going to manage in the third tier. Oh, so you think Wayne Rooney will get it? Look, they gave it Solskjaer, they gave it Giggs. What's to stop them giving no, it to yeah, Rooney? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not, I'm not knocking that. I'm not ruling that out. Wayne, Wayne Rooney knows the club inside out. I'm only thinking, when he was linked with Everton... He said it was too soon, and that's only a couple of months ago. Would he say the same thing if he got a, a, a Manchester United through Adam? I'm not so sure. But it's got to be right. It's got to be right, Johnny. It's got to be right. And thus speaks uh, a former... Well, you, I suppose you could still put in some CVs. You could put in an application if you want. You went to a World Cup. You managed Northern Ireland. Do your days now... It's family comes first now. Absolutely, absolutely. Of course it does. I mean, I'm now enjoying what I'm doing with uh, with everything, I'm, and I'm enjoying the the hospitality. I'm enjoying what it, work I do at Manchester United. But obviously, if something came along, as I say in the book, football ways, if there was uh, an ambitious man and an ambitious club wanted me to put a little bit of experience in and, and help in some capacity, I would take the chance, Johnny. I really would. Mm-hmm. And uh, just looking at the cover of. The last Busby babe. Good biceps. Strong man. And uh, 
This is a picture frozen in time. You'll always be the last Busby babe. And you've got a very busy week of press for this book. Are you doing uh, United's own channel? Are you plugging it there? No, at the moment. Uh, they have. They were at the um, launch day. They were, they were there. Hopefully that will be maybe down the line a little bit. I've got another couple of things to do this afternoon uh, and a couple of things to do on Friday as well. Excellent. So there will be no way that you won't be familiar with Sammy Makara's quite brilliant footballer's memoir. That it, it exceeds any expectation I had for it because you've got the great Wayne Barton uh, helping you out, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. It's your words. He just strings them together. Uh, but thank you for yeah. writing this book and it takes its place on no the shelves problem. of the Football Library. You do get your Football Library laminated card with Georgie Best on it. So if you ever want to come and read about Stockport County or Morecambe or anything, uh, see some old programmes that you're in, um, you are welcome to. No but problem. Sam, thank you so much and take care of yourself. No problem, Johnny. Thanks. Shh.